What's going on? I just, you know, integrity is everything in a lot of businesses. You know, mine is really no different than than others. Um, I think the difference is there's people in my industry that I think they, you know, maybe it's just too too specific. I'm really not to be fucked with. And if you fuck with me and I catch you fucking with me, I am going to end you. Like that is basically my MO. Yeah. If you foxhole and I'm on your side, I'm digging in the trenches better than anybody you've ever met. And we're getting out of this fucking thing together. But if you fuck with me, I will eat you. Like literally. For breakfast, if you're a realtor. Absolutely. <laughs> I want all fucking realtors now. Fuck with me and you will die. So long and short of it was I, I just caught an attorney that lied under oath in a certification about having done a thing that they clearly did not fucking do. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I have to end his life now. And it's very unfortunate for him. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah, but it's kind of, it's, I mean, I'm in, I'm not an attorney or anything, but the, the organizations that I'm in, like the Masons, the Rotarians, everybody's got like the, the unwritten, well, the Masons haven't written down, but the unwritten like code of ethics. Hey, you just don't lie about anything, but you guys go through too much professional work to have people lying behind your back. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, there, and there is a code of ethics. There's the rules of professional responsibility yeah. for which lawyers are required. Um, just don't lie. Just don't lie about anything. Candor to the tribunal is the concept. Um, and it's pretty basic. Don't lie. Don't lie. You love it. Well, that's a good intro to any podcast right there if I've ever seen one. So sorry. There you go. Are no, you I love it. Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Come on. Every, um, no, you're used to it. Come on. Yeah, I'm going for the we're going for the Joe Rogan part two, spontaneous combustion. I just want to talk to people, which is what happens when you and I just start talking. We just start shooting the shit. Things it, start happening. A lot of shooting the shit. Great stories. And that I feel like that experience versus being eaten for breakfast if you're on the bad side of you, but also from being my first phone call, other than for criminal stuff. Um there's a lot of good stories too to come out of <clears throat> this is what you're good at. And this is what some people might not know about you. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you um, in my profession, there's just literally so much that you can do correctly. If you follow the steps and the steps are relatively easy and where people run afoul is they think they're smarter than everybody else. And as a result, think they're not going to get caught. I mean, just just not going to get caught cutting corners. But the corners that you cut as a lawyer are so important because the reality is you're not just messing somebody over on a couple of bucks. You are infringing on their constitutional rights for which our entire country was founded. And I know that sounds big. But the reality is certain things like due process of law, 
the fundamental concept that an individual is entitled to notice and an opportunity to be heard when and if their rights, whether they're contractual or constitutional, are somehow infringed upon or to be infringed upon. It might seem like, well, I'm just going to stamp a notice that I am going to say that I sent, but never really send it because I don't want to pay the postage in order to do that. Nine or what? Five bucks for the postage. Five bucks for the postage is going to cost them, you know, time, a business, time, a life, a business, uh, a, a life. And, and one of the things is in this world that you just can't buy, which is your reputation. You can't buy your reputation. You have to earn it. You have to earn it. You can buy a business, but if you're not going to adhere to those fundamental concepts of fairness, equity, and good intentions, you, you might as well just take the value of that business from which you just purchased and cut it down 75%. Because there's going to be people that come to you in your business, regardless of whether or not they care about your morals or not. But nine times out of 10, in fact, I'd probably say 99 times out of 100, people in the consumer world approach businesses like they do Google searches. They yep. read Google reviews. And your integrity is essentially your biggest Google review. It's the biggest indicator of whether people are going to want to do business with you, know, like, and trust you enough to put their money in. Because I'll tell you, especially in my business, and I keep saying this, but the reality is there are so many people in my business who are not qualified to do what they do, yet here we are. Yeah. And... You know, I, I tell folks all the time, there's 90,000 lawyers in the state of New Jersey. Wow. We're not all good. I know. God help us, right? 90,000. Man. We're not all good. Um, that's true in a lot of industries, you know. Um, but the, the reality is there are some people out there that will take money from folks because they need the money or they want the money. And now, listen, it's not that I don't need or want money, you know, I mean. Um, We're in business for a reason. And you, you went off on your own for a reason. That's America. Yeah. Um, th but the reality is I'm not going to take somebody's money just for the sake of taking their money. I would much rather help them because in the end. It's like when I used to sell jewelry. I used to sell, I used to be a jewelry salesman at Litman Jewelers in the Dover Mall in Dover, Delaware. No way. Seriously. Oh, that's awesome. Race weekend would come twice a year. People with maybe two teeth at the most would come in, wads of cash, boom, buy the biggest diamond you have in the store. <laughs> but every other day, you know, the, the 363 other days of the year, you had to really fight for a sale. And I used to have guys come in and I was always a soft seller. I was always somebody that would just say, you know, if you want to do this, great. 
I'd have people come and say, well, I want to spend $10,000 on a ring when this is the only $10,000 that I have because I don't want my girlfriend slash soon-to-be fiance um, to leave me. That's not a reason to get married. Yeah. Period. You know? What happens if I sell that ring? I get the money. Sure I do. But then the guy comes back to me a week later and says, Jesus Christ, I just talked to five other people that all told me I was nuts for doing this. How come you let me do it? Mm. Now, you could look at that situation and say, well, the onus is on the individual to make a determination of what their lot in life is going to be. And that is true to a point. Yeah. Constitutional right of free will. Yeah. To a, to a certain a, extent. There is a time, place, and manner for that type of frivolous spending. And it's probably not when you have nothing else to your name. Um, you got to get married for the right reasons. I certainly did. Um, and you have to make it a point in your, in your life to surround yourself with people that you trust so that you don't want to fail so that people aren't telling you a week from then, you know, the guy really led you down the wrong path. You know? Yeah. And the the indirect action then created 67 different more actions that completely detrimented the rest of the life. Yeah. And you didn't even realize you did it. No, sometimes you don't. And, and lawyers, I mean, it's a tough job. It's, It's a tough job to do it right. But it's easy at the same time. I mean, you're in a position to trust. You're sitting on a high horse. Most of them do. You can either get off the horse and sit down next to your client and have a conversation. Or you can stay on your high horse. And some folks prefer to stay on that high horse. Me, I was. I never got on the horse to begin with. Um, growing up, you know, my mother... And father divorced early when I was about three years old. Mm. My mom and my grandmother bought a liquor store together. My mother, um, from what I understand, she scrimped and saved and lied on her loan application just to get the opportunity. And she took a mortgage from the individual who sold it to her at a very high interest rate. Higher than normal. We grew up in a modest house, but the fact of the matter was I slept in a bed with my grandmother and my older brother for the first seven years that we were there. It wasn't until my mom met my stepdad and they had another baby that we decided, well, my grandmother decided she couldn't sleep in a bed with three other kids. Um, it was a twin size bed. It, you know, growing up that way, you don't learn how to think you're better than other people. Maybe you do. I mean, you know, for some people, I never did. Yeah. Because I know what it was like to be one rainy day away from having the whole goddamn thing fall apart. Yeah. And that's, <clears throat> I see that in how you practice in general, just because of, and I'm going to get back to your story in a sec. Just the idea of the, 
You want me to be uber professional and be like, hey, I'm your attorney. I'm here to help you. This is what we're going to do. Awesome. Then we could talk for eight hours. Time's more valuable than that. But the idea of the personalization and the actual, hey, I've already done this 6,000 times. So, but we're still treating it like it's the first time. Every time. That's what I've noticed and what you've personally done for me and my family and anybody I've referred you to. Um, and we'll, you know, more into what areas you specialize in a sec. But walk me through how we get from a jewelry salesman to now practicing law and being out on your own firm. I love you told me that a long time ago, but I want him to hear it. So I was a history major in college. And I thought I really wanted to be a history teacher until I realized that I don't like other people's kids. Uh, <laughs> then yeah. I decided I wanted to be an archaeologist. And I spent almost the entire summer of 2007 working as an archaeological field hand uh, for a firm called Height Consulting in Little Creek, Delaware. Okay. Best tan I ever had, finished I've ever been by far. But broke as anything, broke as a joke, as they say. And the reality was, um, as I was moving forward on this dream, my girlfriend, now wife, Stacy, uh, she was petrified that I was going to stay on that route because you don't make any money as an archaeologist mm -mm. unless you're Indiana Jones and he's a movie, you know, he's a fictional character Yeah, um, that you don't see have to pay his bills because that's just a boring part of any story. Um, the reality is I was not meant to be an archaeologist. So I went into banking because in 2008, when I graduated with a history degree, I realized that getting into business in some way, shape, or form was going to be a good path for me. So I got a job as a fraud investigator, and I hated it. I was going to say, they have a lot of background to be hired as a history major as a fraud investigator. What bank let you in? Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Barclays Bank in Wilmington. There you go. Um, Small banks. They, they do a lot of things. They were looking for folks. And... Uh, when I realized that the job was more about working in a call center and asking people to verify their purchases after they purchased porn online and then $2,000 worth of shoes, and it messed the algorithms all up. Yeah. Getting screamed at by people in that situation for what they believed were normal purchases was not something I wanted to continue my life doing. And it's one thing to eat shit and then drop early, yeah. right? Do the grunt work. I just didn't like the trajectory and the politics of it. Um, and the mental health implications of being screamed at all day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to kill you absolutely. mentally. See, the best thing happened. They laid a bunch of us off in, in 2009. And just said, see you later. Yeah. So I went home. So my parents lived in Middletown, Delaware at the time. And it's actually, it was February 9th of 2009. And um, I, I said to my mother, listen, 
I just got laid off. And she said, okay, well, we're moving to Arizona in a month. Phew. So what do you want to do? Do you want to stay here and live with your father up in Maple Shade, New Jersey? Or uh, do you want to come with us to Fountain Hills, Arizona? I said to myself, Sal, you have the woman in your dreams living in New Jersey. It's where your heart is. I'm going to call my father and see if I can't fun with him for a little bit, find a job. And so I called my dad and my dad told me, well, I had news for you. I have bladder cancer. Hmm. Why don't you come up and live with me and you can help me out while I go through this. So lost my job, lost my place to live. Found out my dad had cancer in one day. It just wasn't, that's why I remember the date. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's a pretty important day. Um, made the decision I was going to go up there and find a job. And when the economy was crashing, um, the housing bubble burst, and the only folks that were hiring really in the legal field were creditors' rights firms. Folks who uh, wanted to make it a point, you know, recoup some of the money that people had overborrowed and overspent. So that's how I got in the real estate sphere early on. Gotcha. My, my early chops were all about creditors' rights, bankruptcy foreclosure, um, debt collection stuff. I worked for a law firm uh, for the first three years that I was okay with, morally speaking. Um, ended up going to a much better law firm where it was, you know, they didn't call homeowners deadbeats, all the debtors, people, you know, that concept, that fundamental concept that your closest friends could lose it all in one rainy day was at the forefront. We kind of considered ourselves to be the nicest bad guys out there. Yeah. Because the reality was we understood and had that empathy for people. Um, yeah, and actually called them people. Absolutely, because that's what they are. <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 guess what, man? I mean, it could happen to any of us. Yeah. Bad things happen to good people. It's just All the time. Really how it is. And evil never dies. That's basically, yeah. I saw a hat a couple weeks ago. So assholes live forever. Oh, yeah. 100%. And, uh, I, uh, I I tend to agree. Yeah. To a point. You, you deal with a lot of them, I'm sure. Except, you know, Betty White seems to be the one that survived for the longest, being the biggest non-asshole. Thank God. Um, but the reality is, yeah, people in that situation, they 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 need help. They don't need somebody pounding on top of them, which is kind of what I look at when I take a client on is the reality is you go to a lawyer, you're already kind of nervous. Yeah. And you're you know, in a certain frame of mind. You've got an issue on your plate. You got to talk to somebody who you think they think they're smarter than you. And the reality is they're really not smarter than you. They just have a different craft. And you know you're going to spend some money. It's not going to be cheap. Why make it worse for that person? 
yeah. sitting on a high horse and saying to myself, oh, look at me. Only I can fix it. Just doesn't work. Yeah. You and 89,000 other people can fix it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I just kind of don't understand it. But that's where I've gotten some respect from folks and, so, and from some clients who I'm proud enough to call friends. Um, yeah, because you, you get off the horse in your analogy, but the a lot of attorneys that I've noticed, and it's just in our area alone in the tri-state, they sit, you know, every, every lawyer I know has a really nice office that they probably overpay for that nobody needs. Nobody needs an office anymore if you use a computer for work. Um, we're an example of that. But the just the phone call of like, I'm not going to have to take notes like a college lecture after talking with you and go look everything up after what you just said, after paying to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, and I don't charge for consultations. Yeah. Um, you know, some people do. Yeah. Some people do. And that's the that's like having the gate guards out front. Like, yep, we'll take your entrance fee just to. I've already started off on the wrong foot with someone. Um, you know, we've already started with a subservient relationship. And when I tell people, and it's on my website, we're in this together. That's the reality. I'm helping you with your issue. Um, but I can do it both ways. If you want to help me help you, great. If you just want to hand it off to me, that's okay too. Um, yeah, because unfortunately not all of society is convinced of the help, help, the double help mentality of Kevin can come to my level and we can work on it together, which is probably where most of the successful cases come from. It always starts with me. It always starts here. Equal. Yeah. It never goes this way or that way. And there are folks, I mean, just like there's lawyers out there that carry themselves a certain way. There are people out there who think, well, I paid you money. So that means you're my bitch. Yeah, money makes and everyone, means, everybody's bitch. Know, you, you have to take my phone call. I have to be able to scream at you because that's what I paid you for. Yeah. Reality is, no, you didn't pay me for that. I don't answer to people that way. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, the only person that, that scares me in that capacity is my wife. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, she's Italian. She'll look in the backyard and she'll say right or left. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. She basically inspired me to become a lawyer because that's I awesome. knew that's the only way I'm going to win an argument outside of my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love my wife. I could see she, that. Yeah. She actually, she's an immigrant. You know, she grew up, um, she immigrated to this country from South Philadelphia. And we have a wonderful life together. That's what we got to dive in with your kiddos and everything. Oh, uh, yeah. The pleasure meeting all of them uh, and all of your philanthropic events. And uh, yeah, you got a good family, man. You got it all together. Your wit ties it all together. 
Where did you get that? Because um, your your Facebook stuff, uh, nobody can recreate that. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I love it, dude. I, I, I love it. Up yesterday about um, eating realtors for breakfast, and somebody said to me this morning, "Who made that for you?" And I said, "I made it." it <laughs> yeah, my left and my right brain. It took me five minutes. You, you know, just got boom, it, man. Boom, 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 boom. You know. There's not many people that have that, like, that's the people who call a trend before it's happening. And not many people have that attribute. You got one of them. And it's just because it's exactly what you do. You work a lot with real estate agents and all the real estate transactions and you handle the whole thing. Coming from the bad cop side years ago, now you're in the spot where you can be the good cop and get rid of all the bad cops and still get a job done. I'm in a position to be able to help people sift through bullshit and come up with a resolution that works for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, the minute I, I put up yesterday, you know, we don't eat realtors for breakfast. We work with them, you know, we work with them to solve the client's issues. If they start misbehaving, then we eat them. And that yeah, is really just the thought process is great. And it's nice to have that, you know, walk and carry, walk silently and carry a big stick type of mentality. Yeah. Because I don't have to go into a room and start pounding the table and, you know, cursing people out. I don't have to act that way to people, you know, but I know how to be a bully. Yeah. If I need to be. And if calling somebody out on their crap means that I'm a bully, sign me up. Yeah. Because I will do that any day of the week because some people don't have that. And they're called nice people. That's why I had Bernadette in my office. She's the nice one. My wife, Stacy, she's the nice one. Yeah. Some people don't have that skill of being able to really – it's a gift. Yeah. Be able to dig into somebody uh, on a personal and professional level in 50 words or more, call them an asshole and yeah. get paid good money to do it. Yeah. It's Jordan Peterson asshole. says it best where everybody should be a monster and just retaining the right to exercise it. I think that's very accurate. Just with everything. I mean, with, you know, with uh, working out, physics, being ready to go. Um, yeah. at any time, but you're the history buff of uh, a revolution needs to happen again or any of that good stuff. Um, but then also in business, you know, you're going to screw me over, have a lot of fun because I'm, you're never going to hear from me, but yeah. it'll, it'll just rain hell on somebody. You kill me. If you're going to shoot me, you better kill me. Yeah. And that, when I joke about, there's a couple of things that, um, you've worked on for us specifically, but, and then I want to ask you a question, but the idea of the approach to some things, which a lot of attorneys from what I've seen don't do is the sense of, Hey, I'm Kevin. Nice to meet you. What can I help you with? Blah, 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 blah. This is your problem. Great. Calls other attorney most of the time. Hey, problem with this guy and this, let's figure this out and have a nice day. No. Okay. Click calls me back. Don't worry about it. And then you're just in another, you just flip the switch 
and just launched all their artillery and shit, they're going to come out with nothing. It's, it is nice to have a skill set. It's also great to have empathy. Yeah. To show respect and to have patience. Because in my profession, I mean, as a real estate attorney, first off, I get a lot of referrals from folks who are real estate lawyers that don't want to litigate, don't go to court. And they're very happy in that transactional world. And I can do that stuff. Residential transactions, commercial buy and sell, environmental issues, industrial, all that stuff. It's great. It's nice, it's fun work to do. But I like being in a position where I have this, it's not a niche. Litigation is not a niche, but in the real estate sphere, it seems to be a little bit of a niche. Yeah. Um, to be able to use that for the greater good is a wonderful thing. Um, because in, in real estate, attorneys get a bad reputation sometimes for being deal killers. I'm not a deal killer. Because they would slow the process up, right? Of course they do. Yeah. They call realtors out on their shit, which is you know, a whole other animal in and of itself. Um, because I, I don't know any other profession out there um, where the person says that they are a doctor, a lawyer, rocket scientist, brain surgeon, um, more so than realtors. And then when the shit hit the fan, or anything, but realtor, I'm just yep. a realtor. You know, I don't know the law. I don't know what, what, it, what that means. I just was told in that eight-week course to put that language in there, you know? Be like but an EMT trying, be like an EMT trying to save somebody, and then they get called out, and you're like, "Oh, I'm just, I'm just an EMT. I'm just doing my thing." It's like, wait a minute. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I love realtors at the same time. While they, while some of them are just like lawyers, some of them are on my shit list. It doesn't mean that I don't want to work with those people, um, and help them understand and have them help me understand because a lawyer is good at certain things that a realtor is not. And the same is true vice versa. Realtors know the market. They know what's going to sell. They know how things should go generally in a transaction. The lawyer sitting there with a book, looking over the minutia of it and say, Oh, Buddy. Yeah, sure. not on the A to B transaction scale. Not making the world go round, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Slowing you it know, up. Break, break stones over a, over an oven door. Break stones over a, uh, a window pane. Yeah. Or a, what for? It, Just to say that you represented the client with zealous advocacy? No, you got them out of a contract where they could have been happy in a house where they had to replace their window. Yeah. Like a yeah, five hundred dollar window. Here you go. We're not, we're not cured cancer here, folks. I mean, that's a, that's the reality of it. And at the same time, I mean, we sure we we can't fix stupid, but we can give it a court date. Yeah, that was the bad. That's you need to put that on your business card. That's the greatest one. That was another that's Facebook stupid. post that I'm like, I called my girlfriend and I'm like, Bridget, you need to go read Kevin's Facebook right now. And she's like, this is the greatest. And all my all my marketing buddies, I'm like, you you want anything that's funny? Just go to this guy's Facebook feed. 
You got to like I try to be funny and lighthearted because it's stressful enough. Like Yeah, you're already doing your your whole profession is clouded with stress, <laughs> high literally high horses, suits, you know, the the nickname, you know, where the where the suits at. And then all these lighthearted jokes and it's like, wow, these people have personalities. That's why I thought about you for this. I'm like, you're the only guy that I know that has the idea of I'm a person first, lawyer second. Some some of those people in the very regulated professions flip the scales. Yeah. I had somebody so, tell me um, they wanted to make a video series all about the history of uh, a certain subject. I'm not even going to name the subject. A certain subject, okay? That nobody wants to hear about but them. And I said to them, were well, you going to like make the series and put it in a DVD and, and, and send it to your mom? Because that's just about the only person that's going to care about that. Yeah. You know, it's like you see mortgage brokers get on. And so mortgage rates have never been higher or never been lower. Realtors, the market's never been better. It's never been a better time to sell your house. That's all good, right? Let me show you a picture of my kids. And oh, by the way, I'm a real estate lawyer. Because that's the stuff that matters. That's the things that people want to see. I talked to somebody this morning and they told me that um, they have a new dog. And they got 300 and some odd likes on this Facebook post about their dog. I said, that's great. Dogs win. You should do it again. Dogs win. Do it again, but this time, put a little scarf with your company's logo on there. Yep. Because people are going to see the dog. They're going to say, oh, cute, like. But then they're also going to see your logo. It's all subconscious. Yeah, you can brand yourself as in anything by emphasizing the fact that you're a human being. Yeah. Because we're so disconnected from everything else that human beings aren't even a normal thing these days. No. We're worried about product services. Um, What's in it for me? Why should I care? Uh, Does it work? And will it fix my problem? And can it instantly happen? If it can't instantly happen, I don't even want to talk to it. Instant. Instant, instant, instant. Uh, Listen, it's in all industries. I have people come to me. Um, one thing I don't do is I don't practice door law. I don't take any case that comes in the door. Um, comprehensive real estate, buy, sell, commercial, residential, land use, land development, litigation, uh-huh. commercial litigation, and businesses like small business services, helping people start businesses. Yeah, all the not paperwork. Get sued, not get sued. Yeah. And be able to support themselves and their families. That's what I live off of. I have people come to me and they're in my wheelhouse. I don't take them. Why? Because they give my secretary an attitude or they give me an attitude. When somebody gets on the phone with me, I don't give them an attitude. I give them myself and an open mind about what it is they want to do. Um, but I don't need to take every case out there um, and deal with people that I don't want to deal with that have attitudes that have just bad personalities 
um, because it, life is too short. Life is way too short for that. Too and much bad in the world, and it's hard to think good. But it's pretty <laughs> easy so once you get good. going. There's so much good in the world. You know, it, it, it's um, probably not in Chappaqua, Maine, with the Clintons, but it's certainly. <laughs> There's not much up there. They killed everybody off. <laughs> um, and there's no COVID up there either. I heard they're all vaccinated. Yeah, everywhere, man. Yeah, they're all good. No, we. You just had it. Your whole family just had it, right? I I just had it uh, two weeks ago. Um, yeah, you said. Did your kids get it too? You said. My my two youngest. Yeah, my my well, I only have two kids, but my young my youngest got it as well she's one mm. and i'm telling you both both of them bounce back like this my wife and i were the ones that were and she's fully vaccinated i'm vaccinated um she got the booster i didn't get the booster i don't know i was holding off for a little bit yeah just not i don't know why ignorance i guess yeah I, everybody's different though it's a personal choice. That's the greatest thing. You get vaccinated. It's the if greatest you thing. Get vaccinated, go ahead. If you don't, go ahead. Yeah. That's... I don't need to hear about it. I don't need to be consulted or consult someone on it. Yeah. Um, whether I'm vaccinated or wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, it's not an invitation to share with me your personal opinions on vaccines. Um, racist crap. It's not a re like the fact that I'm wearing a mask isn't a sign. First of all, if anything is a sign not to talk to somebody, it's my face. <laughs> yeah, I'm, me too. It's sometimes not inviting, man. it's not. Inviting. No, I get it a lot too. Intimidating. Uh, and the way, probably the way that we carry ourselves too. Everybody's like, you're always motivated when you walk around. I'm like, yeah, cause I know like where I want to go, what I want to do. I've got goals in mind. And you and I both are night owls. So I'm up thinking about 65 different things to Sunday. And it's three Mondays before that next Sunday. <laughs> so, but let me back up for a sec. Walk me through, because everything's here. You've got all the experience. You get the, you decide you want to be in the legal world. Obviously, you don't just start your own legal business by yourself. So tell me about the entrepreneurial journey, because I know you're in a big stage of growth right now. But mm. my big thing with my business is the jump. Steve Harvey says it the best. You had to pick that moment in life that you just jumped off the rock and just started flying. When was that? I knew pretty early on after becoming a lawyer that I wanted to go out on my own at some point. I knew I certainly had it in me because I have the ability to walk into a room and meet people for the first time, not pass judgment on them, just listen. And from there, I, I realized that I needed to get the skills up, you know, so I worked in litigation firms. I worked for the creditor's rights firm as an attorney for three years. I moved into a, uh, uh, an area of law redevelopment where I worked with one of the top law firms in the state, helping 
municipalities and private developers and the designation and development and redevelopment taking places in this country where you would never want to go to places you want to be. I mean, that's the essence of it. But to do that, I had to reinvent myself and learn an area of law with a person who wrote the book and built the walls on it. Mm. Um, and then to implement it, walk into a room of people who were skeptical about redevelopment, maybe not as inclined to put themselves out there, um, but at the same time, convince them that redevelopment was for them. That it wasn't just about, oh, Camden. Everybody hears redevelopment thing, Camden. Camden rising. No. It's about giving opportunities for business owners and homeowners to invest in their property, make improvements, build their communities, and for taking that chance, receive a tax benefit and an easier path. It was through working in that field that I was asked to be a part of an organization on their board of directors. And after having served several months on that board, meeting people um, to raise money is really what forced me to come out of my shell in a networking sense because I had done almost zero networking in my entire legal career. Wow. Up until about July of 2020. Crazy how we you get so lost in the sauce now that you are a master networker now. But the idea of, wow, I never really had that network. And South Jersey, you know, we're the people with guys and girls yep. that can do anything. Yep. All, the, all the Philly people, you're right, who migrated over here, Bridget's one of them. How do you have somebody <clears throat> who can do everything? I got a guy. I got a guy. That's the South Jersey motto. If you don't have guys, you're not from here. Yep. Not from here. That's the reality of it. Um, when I, but the issue was I was in a place where going out and networking and making rain was not expected of me. And when the rain started to trickle down, out came the skepticism. Mm -hmm. Where'd you get this? Well, uh -huh. I don't know. I was walking down a back alley and a guy came up to me with a trench coat. And under one arm, he had pocket watches. And the other arm, he had New Jersey land use matters. And I said, well, I've already got a watch. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is um, where I was was not conducive for personal growth. It was so much to grow another person's business. So when I left and made the decision that I wanted to go out and make that jump, I was almost afraid to do it on my own. Oh yeah. So I partnered with somebody who I thought I knew. I partnered with somebody who knew, who other folks knew a lot better than I knew. And as the heads turned and people said to themselves, what's doing with him? 
as things went on, I realized to myself, you know what? I don't think this is for me anymore, being with somebody else. I wanted to jump with a parachute, and there's really no way of doing that. Nope. You have to jump. No parachutes. Just jumping. And partnering with somebody or attempting to partner with somebody was my way of trying to jump with a parachute. Big-ass parachute. Oh, yeah. And a lot of weight to that parachute. Yeah. Because when I had my stroke in January of last year, when I got out of it, I realized that the person who I was with was not concerned about me as an individual, but was more concerned about what I could do for their business. And that's when I realized as my clients grew from one to 45 within the span of five months, mm. that I had the ability to kind of go out and meet some folks and, um, generate that that business just by making connections with people and listening to them and i still get folks today that reach out to me from those early days of my networking and say hey i got a friend that wants to do this or uh friends in trouble with this and i pride myself in being able to direct people the right places because i'm not for everybody I don't do everything that they're looking for. Um, and with that, you know, power comes great responsibility type of mindset. Mm -hmm. My network has been, other than my family, my network is the reason why my business is as successful as it is right now. Because when I went out on my own, they all got together and said, let me help Kevin. Because he's doing. Because he jumped. I them tremendous amounts. I, I owe a lot to folks like Joe Silva from Kakua. I owe a lot of, to Gail Roof, uh, who was a coach and a mentor for me as I started to kind of go out on my own. She was my right hand before I had staff like I have now. Yeah. You know, Um Hala and Mike Barson from VoIP Doctors, mm -hmm. and they jumped at the opportunity to help me. Not because they wanted to make a buck, but because they wanted to see me succeed. They also happened to make money because their business grew. But, I mean, we're, we're not talking big amounts here. Yeah. You know? The yes. investment was pure and genuine. Yes. And that it's a rarity in terms of pure investments because most people, as we've talked about the whole time, they care about, can I keep paying for the damn horse so I can stay high on the horse? My my accountant, Kirsten Toller, and I, I can't thank her enough. I, I've just got so many people that I could name who are more responsible for the success of my business than I am. And it's because I don't think, I mean, I, I do think that I'm capable of a lot, but I don't think I'm better than other people or more important than I am. Um, it's a real privilege to be called on by friends. And I call a lot of folks that I meet along the way friends because they are friends first. 
because they're humans first. Then yeah. They never were clients or opportunities. You know? So going out on my own was not easy. But if I had to chalk it up to any one thing, I'd say it was my, my family. Next in line was my network. And the third was my ego. Yeah. Realizing that my ego was holding me back from being successful was a big step. Realizing that my wife was not just somebody at home, but was my partner side by side with me and this. Because when you go out on your own as a business owner, you're not just jumping yourself. And you're taking everything with you. Everything is coming with you. And it can either go up or it can go down. And to think to my wife now um, and, and what she went through in just that early time of not knowing what was going to happen. At least I was the lawyer. Yeah. You were doing the actual the work. Reins of the business and could see the money go and could figure out what the next step was and strategize. She didn't have that level of control. And it's a, just a tremendous credit to her. Right? Yeah, because you live in the world of the unknown. Of you could come home one day and everything's folded. Everything crashed. Now I come home and I tell my kids my boss is an asshole. And they laugh and they say, <laughs> you're your own boss. <laughs> <laughs> you know, life is good, though. That's awesome. Life is wonderful. Well, I can I can just hear it in your tonalities. I've known you long enough. Um, the And you're doing the 75 hard thing. You're working out. It's been a tremendous uh, benefit to me. Um I got COVID along with my family and yep. I stepped off the wagon. I'm getting back on the wagon. I've got friends, just a whole network of people, you know, that want to see me succeed in that light. And um, it, I'm telling you, anybody that's thinking about going out on their own in terms of a business, one of the most important things that you can do is find a business coach or a community like I was able to find. Um, I didn't know Devin Denofa before January 1 of last year. I now consider him one of my best friends because of how intimate he knows my world and has helped me work on my world and i've helped him in some ways too but the the harvest personal business and coaching community it's just been a tremendous benefit to me to be in a room of like-minded people that i can share my experiences my struggles because you might have 50 people in a room and you say, well, I've got some employee issues. Bet you half of them have the same thing. Yep. Bet you half of them don't know what the answer should be or they've been through certain scenarios and you cut a lot of the fat that way. Yep. 
a lot of the angst that you have as a business owner, <clears throat> if you don't have experience, you go to somebody who has experience. It's the greatest attribute to learn. And the best part is there's no real right experience for the answer. There could be 40 different ways to answer the question. Yep. And I know friends and, and clients and colleagues who have themselves been down the roads that I want to go and who want to go down the roads that I've been. And we're all helping each other. There's a lot of secret mentors, too. I'm sure you have it, too, where it's like, damn, you didn't even realize what yeah. path you sicked me on in a positive way. Yeah. And then Absolutely. you get halfway down their fork and you're like, here's the fork. Awesome. <laughs> I get down the fork and I'm like, there's 49 other ends to this fork. Holy shit. Yeah. And there's so many ways you can do it, but that's what makes it your fork. But having all those forks in the row already to say, here's everything. And being our own business owners, picking the right path of what you think is going to be the best option. Because it might be the best for you. It might kill me. And 65 other people might have their own way of doing it. Yeah. Absolutely agree with you. And the mindset of the humans are naturally people first. And we love being together. We're naturally surrounded by human connection that these screens don't accomplish. But I, yeah. the the coming together and keeping the community of people together of like-minded individuals establishes the goals of like, I'm here. So's Kevin. Now Kevin's here, not keeping up with the Joneses, but we should, we need to stay together for the benefit of the common good. It's an accountability thing that you just can't buy. Um, and it's a mental training. You're rewiring your brain. Cause I'll, I'll tell you, man, one of the worst things that happened to me after my stroke was I had two of my closest friends at the time uh, essentially say to me that they didn't want to hear about my problems, that they didn't want to hear about any more of the success that I was having. And when I told them I was opening up my own business, that was the straw. That was the last straw. Because wow. they didn't have the same skill set. They didn't have the same drive to do it themselves. And we had just grown. And I didn't, it took me a while to realize this. We had just grown so much farther apart, even I realized at the time. Yep. You know, you look at myself, I actually had three friends in total all of which live with their mothers in their mid thirties, all of which had jobs and not careers, all of which were more concerned, no, you know, no families, so to speak, or, you know, no um, aspirations for love. And here I am with a career, a family, two beautiful girls, and prospects for the future. And it's like one of these things is not like the other. And it took me a while to realize that. But that's okay. Because when you do step out on your own as a business owner, 
you're going to have people who are rooting against you. Life at the top is very lonely. It, it can be. It can be. But then you just surround yourself with other people who are on that same. Until you get with the right plane. crowd. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, everybody's at the top. Yep. And isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that a nice way to live? Yeah. As opposed to sitting there thinking, I should have that too. Because, well, he has it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You're going to keep up with the Joneses. You're going to kill yourself. Because by the time you keep up with Jones, you're 90 and you're gone. Because you can't, can't base your life and your personal goals off of other people. Everybody's got different trajectories. There, there is a such thing as outgrowing people. And there's 100%. also a such thing as growing with people. And I, I feel very fortunate to have found um, the Harvest community, my network, and a whole litany of people who I am growing with every day and making it a point to hold accountable and be held accountable. So... Life is good. I love it, brother.